Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. <laughs> there are 5,000 sarcastic people in our podcast. <laughs> These, and these are, are our problems. problems. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> um, before we get into it, do we want to do our quarantine corner for the week? Yeah. Yeah. Technically, we that's do. supposed to happen at the top, and we never do it at the top. So, so we're here. So we're here. What are your updates? Um, I thought I had something to share today, and I don't remember what it is. Uh oh. I do have one thing, but I thought I had. Two. You're pulling a real me right now. Um, my update is that I'm watching Below Deck OG. Oh, yeah. This is exciting is news. scary. Yep. I watched season one. I met Chef Ben from ten years ago. Still scary. Yep. <laughs> but still, like, himself. Was he more crazy or less crazy? Exactly the same crazy. Like, he hasn't grown at all as a human being. No, but he knows who he is as a person. Sure. That's allowable. <laughs> like, the man loves to be petty and metal, and I cannot disrespect that. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, so that's interesting. I finally, I started season two, and I met the, like the main chief stew who's in there for the rest of the series yeah she just left yes yeah and Dude, it's like a big upset because hannah is leaving bravo yeah yeah but i don't know <laughs> i've only watched like one episode with her so i'm not willing to pass judgment at this time <laughs> fair enough um, there's like an entire um, etsy economy based around her one-liners really yeah that's a certain <laughs> It's corner yeah. of Etsy that I wasn't familiar yeah, with. Yeah, sure is. Wow. Yep. She's apparently very quotable. She seems like I don't hate her yet. Mm-hmm. She seems to maybe have her act together more than Hannah does, but that can sometimes be just a surface level thing. Yes, very much so. so. We'll see. Nice. What's your quarantine corner update? My quarantine corner update is that I finished watching The Great. Mm-hmm. Which I I don't I still don't I think to, what? I need to give you a clap yes. for finishing a show. I finished a show <laughs> all by myself. All by yourself. That we are not covering on this podcast. So it wasn't mm-hmm. even homework. Nope. And uh it gave me like a feeling. It's not I don't mean that in the way that like we often talk about things that give us feelings because it wasn't like this, it wasn't like, like, I need to sit on my couch and cry? No, 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 no. Okay. But, like, it did pull at some heartstrings. Like, they did a narrative. Hmm. And that, I didn't quite see that coming. Um, Because it's, like, not a show for nice people only, so it's not like they did, like, a heart of gold plot twist on me. Sure. But they still gave me a feeling. And it's, and so what they did to me was storytelling. 
<laughs> this keeps happening to you. I know. And I, it really just catches me off guard. And also television in 2020 is doing this thing where they wait until the last episode to tell you that they've done storytelling. Yeah. And I don't know if it's been a while since I've really encountered storytelling, so I can't tell if it's supposed to work that way. But I just feel like I've I've had it happen to me now three times, and I just wasn't ready for it. Mm. You know? Yes. Yeah. I've been watching some nice packaged storytelling that's like a nice refreshing, mm-hmm. you know? With I That was my last week update with Peaky Blinders, but yep. the six-episode format just mm-hmm. really follows a certain curve, and it's... Nice yep. to have it's that. Tidy. <laughs> yeah, so this tidy. is a show where I think they could do a second season and it would be okay. I don't, like, mm. need it. I, like, enjoyed the time I spent with it. And, like, yeah. if they did more, it'd be fine. But I don't need it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it is nice and tidy. And I like having, like, a set of episodes and that's just the end of it. Isn't that nice? Like, not everything <laughs> needs to be eight seasons. Nope. So, um, that's, that's that one. Wait, I forgot to mention, I had a little, a little finger news bullet. Ooh, little finger news bullet in. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. I have a real one, and I have a little finger related one. Because Excellent. Because little finger was in Peaky Blinders, and that was alarming. That was shocking. She sent me a picture, and it, I don't know that I've really seen the dude outside of little finger costume. Yeah. And it. I also still don't totally know what Peaky Blinders is, so there were just, like, a lot of things that kind of converged in that particular picture. He's a 1920s gypsy. Yeah, I'm not really sure I understood that there was an old-timey aspect until I saw the picture. Oh. And then I was like, oh. (laughs) I did a poor job explaining what that show was. (laughs) Yielded times. Sure. Yeah, so he's got this, like, stringy bob cut that's, like, not doing a lot for him, but... Nope. Nice to see our good old friend. He's back. Back in action. (laughs) Being a little troublemaker. Oh, yeah. Um, but we have a news bulletin that (laughs) is important to share, which is we learned that the Eurovision movie is coming out. Yes! Yes! And Pierce Dad is there. Pierce Dad! Pierce Dad's gonna be there, and it's gonna be just a wild time. We did have to do an emergency reshuffling of the air table. Yes. To accommodate this news, this joyous news. Joyous. Truly joyous. Joyous. <laughs> I'm so fucking excited. Like, will it be better or worse than Eurovision 2020? Definitely DVD? better. Definitely better. You think? Absolutely. Hands down. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, the question is, will it be better than Mamma Mia? That's what I think is up for debate. Do you see me just pause mid-sip of my drink and <laughs> have a mild panic? Like, really ponder that possibility? It's not going to be better than Mamma Mia because they will not have the musical stylings of That's ABBA. True. That's so fair. <laughs> That's fair. What if they feature ABBA somehow? Only only if Colin Firth is there will I accept. <sighs> be so good. So yeah, that's what we've been doing in quarantine. And the other thing that we've been doing in quarantine, me specifically, is we watched Letterkenny. We did. 
Yeah. Speaking of shows that arguably should have eight seasons. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and also shows that have perfected the short number of episode format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank God it's a work of art. Yes, they're doing a lot of things to help us. Doing all the things <laughs> for us everyone. personally. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, we're, that's what we're talking about is Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. And it's a show. It is a show. You want to give us the background on the show since you did this to me? I did this Actually, to you. Actually, I, I kind of did it to you first somehow. Yeah, but Margaret Lyons twisted my arm, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's work. very roundabout, but we all got there in the end. Yeah. Um, Letterkenny is a Canadian show that was a web series in, like, the aughts, I think, or early. say, like, 2003 or 2004, like, something. That was before Yeah, it's YouTube. not that old, because the show's only been around for, like, what, five years? Something yeah. Something like that. But, doesn't matter. Anyway, it was a web series called Letterkenny Problems, and then it got picked up by some Canadian streaming service, and then Hulu... And now it's a Hulu original. And they greenlit it for, like, a gazillion episodes at once. Which is delightful. They knew what they were doing. They knew. Um, It appears to have some sort of, like, a cult following that I don't have a good grasp on how broad it is. But I think it's broader than I think it is. (laughs) It has its own um, fandom wiki. What doesn't have its own fandom wiki? Like, our podcast might have its own fandom (laughs) wiki. (laughs) If that's true, please send it to us, because I would love to see that artifact. Same. Um, The lore in this fandom wiki, though, is very extensive. Like, I've seen some where it's, like, a sentence or two for characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was going through, like, the autofill results on Google and because there are like 10,000 of them and I was just like looking at what they all said and there was something about Devin and then I clicked on it and it took me to the page about Devin and the page about Devin was like so many paragraphs that I gave up mm-hmm. yeah it's a lot Devin was only on for like two seasons <laughs> and I had to give up I think it speaks to the way in which storytelling is done yeah, speaking of, so this was the third example that I s- said in my update that there this happened to me three times this year mm-hmm. where a show came at me in the last episode, which this is cheating a little bit because this isn't like the final episode of the show, but the last episode of the season came yeah. at me. Like um, hard, too, even for its own format. Yeah, yeah, and it was a situation where like, I followed the foreshadowing all the way through, so I figured it sure. was coming. But the deployment. I didn't expect to have a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. But they did, like, some cinematography. And mm-hmm. they did some writing. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, they did some directing and some acting. But you know what they didn't do is some unnecessary explanatory dialogue. <laughs> there was no exposition to no. explain what was happening, why, and how I, the viewer, should feel about it. Mm-mm. Um, they simply <laughs> shot it in such a way that I could have my own reaction. And I was confused, frankly, by the things <laughs> I felt. Do you think it, you really have to go back and watch it a second time? <laughs> <laughs> really sit with your feelings. Oh my god. <laughs> 
will never uh, get old. No, it never will. For those of you who are new here, we're still mad at Matthew B. Roberts of Outlander. Yeah, we'll never not be mad at him. We'll never not be mad at him. And that every episode's an Outlander episode if you try hard enough. And that's where we're at. Um so so yeah, you did this to me and tell me more about it now that you've discussed its history as a streaming show. Yes. So the premise is what you're asking for. Yes, that's where that's where we're off to next. Um the premise is it is set in like rural Ontario and it's a small town called Letterkenny and there's a core group of friends that are referred to as the Hicks and there are also some other factions in the town such as the Skids and the hockey players and the Christians um we meet more friends along the way but mainly it's about the Hicks like hanging out living their life the rural small town experience, the joys of Gus and Brew, <laughs> puppers, the simple the things. beer and the dogs. <laughs> um, it's great. There's some life lessons to be imparted, and it's kind of like a, it's a hangout show. It's not like trying to achieve a lot, but it's doing a lot, and I think we'll get into that further, but. Um, I saw an article today that said it basically put on a platter, if you like Schitt's Creek, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Dairy Girls, and or uh, South Park, then that's sort of the combination that will lead you to this show. And that feels fair. Yes, I think that is very fair. <laughs> hmm So I had prepared, rather than talking points... Um, like a couple of opening lines, we'll say. Like, if I was trying to describe the show to someone, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And one of them was that it's essentially the other side of town from Schitt's Creek. Yep. If you imagine them all being in the same small town universe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what's happening on the other yep. end of town. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that it's redneck Seinfeld mm. in the sense that it's a show about nothing. Yep. Um, it's got that, it's got big about nothing energy. Yes, it does. The other one that I had, <laughs> and I think this, I think this is interesting and I have spent a lot of time with it in the last couple weeks, but it's Dairy Girls for Men. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow i think in some ways yes in some ways no but i think that's interesting yeah in terms of friendship yes in terms of context not necessarily dairy girls has a lot riding on the like broader cultural political issues at play sure and this show is not that no no (laughs) <laughs> they, in fact, they did an episode where they tried to do 2016, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm. yeah, mm. wasn't, it, they didn't do a bad job talking about Trump and stuff. It was just like, mm. I never, I'm never mad at the choices they make to lay their politics on the line, yes. because I think it could very quickly turn into a show for people who don't 
believe in certain things that yes. <laughs> are difficult. Yes. They absolutely make a point to have episodes yeah. where they very casually are like, hey, racism's bad. Yeah. Hey, homophobia's bad. Yeah. Um, and that's and, very chill of them. Well, when you're a show about rednecks. Yes. I get concerned. <laughs> and they <laughs> they have this one episode that I think is, it's probably not perfect, but it's great, where they are all talking about essentially being politically correct. Mm-hmm. And, like, what is or isn't racist based on whether or not it's politically correct. Yeah. And I just appreciated it mm-hmm. so much. Well, yeah, you'll want to avoid a hate crime if you can. <laughs> you'll want to avoid a hate crime if you can. <laughs> oh, God. It's great. It's great. They do really good work as a bunch of rednecks. They do. Um, The other... I had two more. Okay. The other ones was that it's the show about Pawnee residents rather than the government. Mm-hmm. And... It's our podcast. <laughs> oh. Now, it is. I'll expand on that by saying that the thing that struck me the most about this show in like the yep. first episode that never yep. went away is that it 1000% feels like someone monetized the ability to sit around and just joke with their friends for hours yes. and hours and hours. Yes. And. I, like, I was very proud of myself for correctly calling that there were two creators, because it just has the feeling of two people sitting next to each other, just riffing. Yeah. And then they got to put it in a script, and they got to ship it off to someone with a bunch of money, and they got to put it on television. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the entire premise of the show, is just, like, we wanted to say funny things to each other for our whole lives. Right. I kept feeling like it retains a sense of being a viral video from 2008 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the best ways. Like, specifically, not only, like, them having fun and doing their own thing and whatever, uh, creating their own product, but also, like, the quotability of it. Yes. I don't think I've watched something that just, like, embeds in your brain. <laughs> that way in in so long and we were talking about you and I were talking about like a video some dumb the seahorses video (laughs) (laughs) not my turn not my problem that's what I say right and then I when we were talking about that I'm like oh my god it's Letterkenny like they managed to really like retain that quotability in a way that's like if you want to go back to like when we were all 13 and watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail for the first time, and then you, like, realized that everyone else had seen it and also was in on the joke. Like, that's what it felt like watching Letterkenny and then being like, oh my god, other people know this. Yes. Yes, it's like, so what came up when we were talking about that video was I was telling the story of how I became friends with one of my other best friends, where Mm -hmm. I was just, like, in a room of people with her. She and I had, like, known of each other, but had never spoken to each other. And we were in this, like, massive crowd of people, and I just said, not my chair, not my problem. And from across the table, she muttered into her drink, that's what I say. And Letterkenny is like that. Like, you can literally just, like, mutter to yourself somewhere, like, sort yourself out. (laughs) And that's what I appreciate it's about. (laughs) It's so good. 
like a Seinfeld or any other dumb sitcom, I feel like it creates, like, that aspect of it creates this really immersive environment because, like, it's, first of all, incredibly dense, so you really have Mm -hmm. to focus. Um, Like, I have to watch it with the subtitles on because otherwise things go right over my head. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because the inside jokes build within the episode and then they stick around, like, it the thing that is serialized are is are the inside jokes, not the plot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I listened to something from the ATX festival, like one of their podcasts that was a Letterkenny mm-hmm. roundtable or something. And they said when they got that huge Hulu deal, they started hiding things so mm. that they could build on it. So it was like the beauty of having forty episodes or whatever, which is like a lot of seasons for them. Was like you could like, play things out over multiple seasons. Yep. Which they do very sneakily. They do. Um, to me, this felt like 30 Rock, but for small towns. Yes. In terms of, like, joke density and, like, how things are recalled like that and, like, the characters. Like, because they're all sort of siloed, so, like your Jenna is, like, the hockey players or whatever, and, like, the Hicks or Liz Lemon and, um, what's-his-face? Doesn't matter. The Skids. No. No. I was thinking of the guy in 30 Rock. Yeah. That guy. (laughs) Alec Baldwin, thank you. No. Oh, you're thinking of Alec Baldwin is what I was thinking of. But, yeah, that was, like, what it reminded me of. It's, like, if 30 Rock met the people of Pawnee or Schitt's Creek. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One thing I also appreciate about it is that in season one, they attempted to do a plot that is not really what they do. Mm -hmm. Like, they attempted to be a show that tackles things. And I think within, like, a couple of episodes, like, by season two, realized... You know what? Yeah. This actually isn't what we do. And they just yeah. kind of reeled way the hell back on that. And it never tried again. Yeah. They, d- they did work through some things. Like, if you start season one right now, just work through it. The first three are great. The second yes. three are, like, tough. Just Real keep tough. going. Real I watch, tough. So I watch most of each season in an individual setting. Or mm-hmm. sitting. Um, so I watched almost all of season one in one go. And then I think the next time I sat down to watch it again, I had like two episodes from season one left. Yeah. And I just like, I think I watched them while I was cleaning and just like plowed through them. Yeah. Um, and Kelsey was smart enough to warn me ahead of time. But yeah, you can like feel it. You're like going up, 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 as my child would say. And then <laughs> you just kind of like come to a grinding halt for a couple mm-hmm. episodes. And it's yeah. like, you know... I didn't come here to talk about small towns and meth. No. No. I didn't. No. And then they they find their footing again and are like, this is who we are. Yeah. Yes. I do think, like, this is a show similar to, like, your Parks and Rec, where, like, it's all about their principles and their, like, moral footing and, like, what what moral code, like, they're standing for, and then that sort of guides everything that happens, and it's, like, they have a list of rules that, like, you don't fight at weddings, and, like, (laughs) um, there's, like, all these, like, little 
pieces of wisdom that they share. When a friend um, asks for help, you help them. You help them. It's a big yep. one. And I think that tells you a lot of like about what they're trying to achieve and like what kind of show they want it to be too. Well, it's funny because I, so I've known about the show for a long time. I had a friend who started watching it a couple years ago and was like, he was always trying to get me to watch shows and I never watch them. So he watches like Westworld. He recently got into Ozark. I forgot to text you about that. No, no. There's been a lot of Ozark in the group chat and I've just had to sit there silently because I... This podcast has a stance against Ozark. We have a a strong policy against Ozark here at Hate Watch with us. (laughs) It's in solidarity with our friend Catherine Van Arendag. We've never seen a second of it. (laughs) No way, man. Um... So he was like, you know, if you don't watch any other show I recommend, you have to watch Letterkenny for me. Like, you have Mm -hmm. to watch it. So I've had it on my list for a long time. And just knowing this person as I do, I sort of knew it was a show for nice people. Yeah. Underneath it all. And that's the thing is it's like really underneath it all. And so Kelsey started watching it and she wasn't sure I was going to like it. And she was like, well, I don't know if it's a show for nice people. And I hadn't even watched it yet, but I was like, just wait, it definitely is. Yeah. And that it does really start to make itself apparent around what, like season four? Yeah. Probably. But it, it's one of those things where everything in the show builds, so all of their rules about life build on top of each other, and they stay very, like, morally consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but their sort of small-town pack grows in the conflict, but the, like, solidarity between them grows. Um, and all of the stuff, so you can really, like, track that. Yeah. And it becomes more and more obvious that even though they smoke and drink and talk about butt sex and make a lot of fart jokes, <laughs> they're all very nice, kind people who care about each other a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like kindred spirits yes. <laughs> to ourselves. Yes. In that, like... They care about each other a lot, but, like, someone they don't know and don't care about asks for something, and they're like, I don't fucking know you. No. Exactly. Exactly. You throw your lights over my fence, I'll throw them back over to yours. (laughs) But if they tried even just a fucking little... about a lot is how the one of the constant refrains is McMurray is a piece of shit. But mm-hmm. there's at least like three different episodes where McMurray asks for help and they all have to look at each other at one point and be like, if a friend asks for help, you help him. Yep. Um, and it's all it's all coming from a genuine place. Very genuine. So genuine. It is like the filthiest genuine show I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> I think I appreciate that. Like it's there's something there because that's not necessarily a thing that's true in, like, Schitt's Creek, where it's, like, they all kind of start off as terrible people, but by the end, they're, like, not quite cloying, but pretty close at times. Yep. Like, yeah. they sort of break down the barrier and become softer people. Yeah. The folks in, Sch- in Schitt's Creek, in uh, Letterkenny, aren't becoming softer people. They are consistently 
who they were at the beginning. It's just that they are letting you in and, like, you as the viewer are coming to understand where that niceness is and how much they care for each other. But nothing about their outward presentation has changed. Right. And it's also, like, the way they're achieving that is literally through, like, these interpersonal like conversations with other people, whatever. It's not, like, we don't know where half of them live. We don't know anything about their families. We don't know anything about their past. Like, none of it. (laughs) It's not world building. No. It's immersive in the inside jokes, not in the world of Letterkenny. But in the same vein, like, the second they introduce you to someone, you're like, oh, I know who that is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At least if you have any sort of, like... I don't know, comparable small town. (laughs) If you have ever lived in a small town or had some kind of long-term exposure to a small town through, like, someone else's lore, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, you know exactly who each of these people are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they, like, it's all with, like, even the set decoration and stuff. Yes. The McMurrays have a hot tub. Yep. But in this, like, shed that has shag carpet, and you're like, oh, I know who you people are. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Um, this is only tangentially related, but one of the other lines that I had that I didn't get to in the beginning mm-hmm. that I think is also going to be controversial, I did, like, a trial balloon with somebody And the reaction was fascinating. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-oh. A trial balloon? What does that mean? That's when you, like, float something. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Before you even get there, I'm rattled by this. (laughs) That's not an original. I've never heard of that before in my life. People say it all the fucking time. Why wouldn't you just say I floated something by someone? (laughs) Because I liked that expression better in the moment. Why does anyone (laughs) say anything, Kelsey? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay all right. sort yourself out all right <laughs> oh my god um so in terms of like tropes and characterization i think wayne is a better ron swanson than ron swanson Yes, I believe in that 100%. I think Wayne is, like, the OG Ron Swanson. He is, like, the thing that the Ron Swanson character aspired to be. Yes. Yes. That went over way better than the time I tried it with someone else. I 1,000% agree with you. Mm -hmm. Is... I think it's because, like, while he's stoic, he's not also, like, resentful of every other person and thing in the world. Yes, he's, like, he's kind and caring, and his stoicism is, like, I think Ron Swanson feels performative so much of the time. Yep. Whereas Wayne just feels like that's just kind of how he is. Like, he just feels consistent Mm -hmm. in a way that Ron Swanson didn't. Yeah. Maybe if Ron Swanson, like, held more dogs on his lap, Mm. like, large dogs i think that would have i am obsessed with all of their obsession with dogs it's so it's so random and it's so funny but like that tells you something yes it does and they use it well Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's so funny, though. <laughs> I know. I do think, like, a lot of what the show is is, like, it's an art. Yes, it is an art. But it's disguised as, like, lowbrow comedy. Yes. They, it's like, they want you to believe that it's South Park, but it's actually art, somehow. Like, I don't, the dialogue alone is unbelievable. (laughs) Well, because it's. I, I was trying to say this to you at one point. I don't know if I if I said it well, but it's crude, but it's like eloquently crude. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like the thing well, I think about a lot. Crude. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I come from a family that is from a letter Kenny. Yeah. And a lot of the people in my family are extremely crude and use a lot of really crude language. And it's totally for the sake of presenting in, like, a certain way. Like, they want to sound like these hardened, like, badasses, like, don't mess with me, whatever. And so they're just out there throwing out weird phrases. Like, (laughs) one of them is always saying that people were just showing their ass. And (laughs) I still don't know what... I mean, I, like, know what it means. It means, like, they're, like, making fools of themselves or, like, being idiots or whatever. But, like, she uses it at times where it's, like, not impactful. Like, it's not, like, a good point of emphasis. Um, And, like, you know, people swearing for the sake of swearing. And, like, we are people who swear a lot. Yeah. Fine. But the thing that I appreciate about this show is that it's, like, dick jokes and fart jokes and swearing and name calling and it is clever as hell it is thoughtfully deployed in every single line like every time they choose to go down that road it is thoughtful and well plotted and the punchline is worth it every single time yep yep (laughs) (laughs) well never mind like they have cold opens where they go through the alphabet and say a sentence for every letter. That is a really funny thing that they do in the sense that, like, like you tried to describe it to me, and I understood conceptually what it was, but I was also like, this seems really random. Like, I wonder yeah. how they build up to it. They don't build up to no. it. It's no. literally just like, like, this is where you can see that it's just two people who are trying to do things that amuse themselves. Where they're, at some yeah. point, someone was like, you know, it would be really funny. <laughs> If we tried to do this all by the alphabet. And so they do it, like, three different times. Right. But it's not like they just do it. It's like they do it really Well, it's like a summary of, like, whatever is going on plot-wise. Yeah, they're not just, like, saying words. They're actually telling you something at the same time. (laughs) And it's so random. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just, like... It's well deployed. Like, they're just out there doing what makes them happy. Oh, yeah. And, like, the way that they communicate with other people, too, even, like, the the timing and, like, the way that yeah. Wayne and McMurray, like, always talk over each other and can't, like, have a conversation <laughs> is hilarious. Or, like, what other show in the world has introduced an auctioneer as a character? <laughs> Where his whole thing is that he's constantly auctioning. <laughs> so funny. It's just amazing. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. 
there's like so many good the good episode things. where they think that like the Mennonites are trying to get them to have sex with their daughters yes. and the auctioneer comes in and tries to tell oh. the story of the auctioneer from the town over who has sex with the Mennonites but he tells it while auctioning it's so <laughs> good <laughs> completely wild it's like a piece of art and like they <laughs> They burn jokes to the fucking ground. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything that rides a bit harder. But, like, in that episode, uh, they have this Mennonite family whose last name is Dick, and so everything is a dick joke with them. And in that episode in particular, they just lean the fuck into it to the point where, like, some of the lines are not even that clever. Yeah. But it's just so relentless that it's funny. Uh Because you're hanging on to every line, like, how are we going to make this one about sex? (laughs) What is there left? And then they introduce another person, and you're like, oh no. (laughs) What is your name? Yeah, it's, they have so many like that. There's like, in the first season, like, it has to be episode one or two. There's this story of how so in, like some of their friends or acquaintances allegedly fucked an ostrich, <laughs> yes. and they continue to deploy that at least like four times a season. Every season. <laughs> there's like people from another town over who like won't come to Lettergetty because of the ostrich fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I also love um, the whole thing with Shorzy. I love Shorzy. because they we like they get to a point where Shorzy starts showing up every episode and like the the strings of like vitriol just like go on for like five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Shorzy is the the same person who plays Wayne. I was gonna and ask so- that because his the voice is very obviously yeah. yeah. So they never show his face, so they always have to find excuses to have him, like, not facing people, but, like, just spewing these the horrible things to me is, like, several different times they have him in the shower, and to avoid seeing his face in the shower, he's doing a handstand against the shower wall to wash his balls, and he's just wailing on Riley and Jonesy about fucking their mothers. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Um, while we're on the topic of Riley and Jonesy. Sure. <laughs> Dear God, this show gets a lot of specific people correct. Yes. And that is inclusive of the hockey players. Okay. Hockey players Holy so shit. fucking right. Beyond right. I was floored. <laughs> it's eerie. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I love it it's... when they join the senior team. That, oh. that like, crew of characters. It's literally, like, score a hockey musical. But, like, after dark. <laughs> I saw on the Letterkenny Reddit today, because I was in there for a hot second, yep. from a Google trail. Um, someone had one, you know those t-shirts that list, like, names? Yes. And it's, like, fucking John and Paul yeah, and Ringo, yeah, yeah. whatever. There was one that's just all the names 
of the senior team <laughs> in the order that they speak, and that's the only version of that shirt that anyone should ever have. That's amazing. <laughs> My favorite is that every person on the senior team has, like, their signature thing, and <laughs> what's-his-face's only thing is saying pussy <laughs> It's so lazy and it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Pussy. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and then they get the female hockey players. Uh-huh. Oh my god, the other bit that they do, I just thought of this because of Betty Ann and Marianne, the hockey players. But the other bit that they do... <laughs> Is that all Quebecois are either named Mary something or, or John something. And it's the funniest thing. They like go around a room in a bar and every person is like, I'm John whatever. I'm Marie whatever. It's so funny. They do some real good work for the Quebecois. They do some very good Quebec humor. My one of my other favorite Quebec bits is that every single one of them says Quebec differently. Yep. Which is a big mood. <laughs> big mood for us folks up on the border here. I knew like all the Quebec episodes were just for you. They were purely for me. There's some really good maple syrup humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I had beef with, but that's a story for another day. You always do. It's fine. <laughs> um, I also like, there's a bunch of instances, backtracking to Jonesy and Riley. Yes. Where, when they have to have their names listed, they're always together. Yes. So, like, there's a spelling bee. I was going to talk about the spelling bee. <laughs> They participate as one unit, They're and their name tags say <laughs> Riley and Jonesy as, like, one unit. It's so funny, because they're also, like, I think they're like us, like, they're a unit, and they're similarly completely out of control, but only when they're together. Yep. Because <laughs> there's also a series of episodes where they're apart, mm-hmm. and they're just, like sad lonely boys they're like shells of their <laughs> former selves that's how we feel in quarantine that's how we feel in quarantine we haven't seen each other since december oh you uh, still have my baking sheet i still have your baking sheet i haven't even met your dog i know my child can count now it's wild i know it's been so long in quarantine i know uh um, can we take a second to appreciate the <laughs> <laughs> the framing on this show? That was the last piece of an art that I wanted to discuss. Oh my god, there is so much cinematography art. Like, beautiful, beautiful art for no reason, like everything yes. else in this show. Like, <laughs> Yes. They didn't have to do the most, and they do the most. They do the absolute fucking most. They do some incredible work with wide shots of the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. They're constantly framing shit on those beautiful, beautiful thirds. The rule of thirds is alive and well in Letterkenny, and it is gorgeous. Yeah. It is. And it's like... It's just so nice and so pleasing and, like, 
no one's looking for it, but when no. you see it, you're like, oh, so they're doing an art. <laughs> but that's the thing about the show is like, because the show is just a bunch of riffing on fart jokes and nothing else, there's no plot, there's nothing else. I don't like, no one would expect it to be anything else. But also, if it wasn't anything else, it wouldn't work. Like, right. It's one of those things that is the sum of all of its parts. Like, it only works because it all works. Mm-hmm. I have recently, in particular, come to appreciate that so much because I think we have been watching so many shows where those parts are being neglected. Yeah. And our overall feelings. <laughs> <A> outlander. <laughs> yes, this is an outlander bit. Our feelings about the product are changing because you like you need all of that cohesion. All of it matters. It turns yeah. out the reason that like people are experts in cinematography and people are experts in writing and directing and like the reason that all of these are particular art forms is because each thing manipulates you as a viewer a different way and when you have something that uses all of those things well it does storytelling to you (laughs) wow what a concept (laughs) and without it you're just like without it it literally might as well just be like a bunch of people on facebook live right Like, anyone can boot up a camera and say a bunch of jokes out loud. Right. But that's not... It's not anything. (laughs) We're not watching the Parks and Rec special. We're not watching the Parks and Rec special. That we loved dearly, but... But that's all it was, was, like, people firing up cameras and reading a script and telling some jokes. Right. And, like, (sighs) different art forms have different elements that make them effective. And it turns out there are many parts of television that makes it effective. And when it works, it makes for good television. (laughs) I genuinely think Matthew B. Roberts would shit his pants if he saw the end of season eight. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's like a good place to go. Because that, the whole lead up to that scene is a beautiful sequence. Like, the shot where um, Wayne walks out and Rosie tosses, her, he tosses her the keys and yep. he, like, puts up the back of the truck and she gets in the truck. Like, that's a yep. gorgeous shot. Mm-hmm. And then everybody just starts loading into the trucks and it's, like, all occurring to you what's happening. Yep. And then no dialogue. No dialogue. And then you see Katie just like standing there in front of the house and all of these trucks just roll up behind her. And it's just this like, it's this beautiful stampede of just like people who love her. Mm-hmm. And it's so satisfying. So satisfying. <laughs> and they literally just did it with television. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they just shot it real good and directed it real good and knew how to use a slow-mo. Yep. And I felt a thing. I did, too. It elicited emotions in me because it was powerful and effective. Yep. And it told a story about these people's priorities and who they love and what they care about. Yep. And what they stand for. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was so so good. It was so good. (laughs) 
That is a great episode. I know. The show is good. I also love that they operate on this like weird schedule where they drop a summer season and a winter season. Yes. And a holiday episode. The holiday episodes are really fun because they just do random fucking holidays. Yeah, and they have, like, no impact on the rest of the story. Not that, like, there's much of a through line, but there's usually, like, a seasonal narrative, at least. Yes. And the holiday episodes just come in and they're like, here we are. (laughs) This has no impact on anything else that's happening. It actually, it threw me off for a couple seasons because they always tack it in as the last episode. Yeah. And so, I want to say it's, like, season four or something, but there is, like, a season where there is kind of a season finale. Yeah. And from then on out, there's always a season finale. Like, the last episode, like, ends on something close to a cliffhanger. Yeah. And so, that happened, and then the holiday episode happened, and I thought nothing of it, and then it went, I was binge-watching it, so it went straight into the first episode of the next season, where they had to recap the season finale, which was the episode mm. before the thing, and yep. I got all turned around in my brain and was like... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, didn't I just watch something else? Wait like, a second. <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, once I figured out that's what was happening, it's a fun sequence. It is, and I think, like, they're smart... To play it that way because they can do, like, the winter-themed seasons yes. are winter in Canada. Like, there <laughs> yes. is snow, there is ice fishing, there is Quebecois, like... <laughs> and then there's D-Gens. Um, don't forget that. The D-Gens. The D-Gens from Upcountry are a fucking mood. They're, like, one of my favorite things. When the Quebecois <laughs> dropped that line about the D-Gens from Laval, I... Yep. <laughs> Fuck Yeah. <laughs> it's a big mood it is um and then like the summer seasons are like more of like they're farming and stuff yeah. like that and i think that just like lends itself to more opportunities to tell these like stories about being in a small town and like being farmers and <laughs> chorin choring well All she's off to chorin <laughs> yes there's so much to say about this show it's very good like this is all just an hour to say to you this is a good show and you should be watching it because it's very good yes who sort yourself out into (laughs) into a a letter kenny person what do you have a like, sort yourself. Like, Hogwarts houses. <laughs> I heard the beginnings and ends of that sentence as having a... I don't know where that was going. Okay. Um, what person in Letter Kenny am I? It's possible that I'm a dairy. <laughs> It's possible I'm a Squirrely Dan. It's also possible that I'm a Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I'm probably a Squirrely Dan, though. I think, like, everyone wants to be a Squirrely Dan, right? Can I just say that one of my favorite things about Squirrely Dan is his women's studies class? (laughs) 
Professor <laughs> Trisha. Speaking of things no one asked the show to do. <laughs> no one asked them to learn about feminism. <laughs> Squirrely Dan is just out there trying. He's out there doing the most. Doing the most. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Who are you in Leonard Cuddy? I was like struggling. I felt like I was probably a dairy. Yeah. Dairy is an easy one to relate to. Yeah. Since he's so soft. <laughs> I also pegged your husband for a dairy because My husband's he famously sure doesn't take off his USPS uniform. <laughs> it's charm clothes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's also been known to mow the lawn in khakis, so mm-hmm. it's <laughs> big chore and energy there. Big chore and energy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who else I would be. I'm not. I'm not a Wayne. I'm not a Katie. I might be like a a Jonesy or a Riley minus the hockey. <laughs> Are we days. both Jonesy? And Are Riley? we just Jonesy and Riley, but no hockey? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, but you know what we actually are? Hmm. I think we're just cracking egg. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can't. So. <laughs> that was the greatest, dumbest thing. <laughs> In like season eight. They decide to have a <laughs> agricultural call-in advice show on local cable access, and it's called Crackin' Egg. <laughs> delightful. Oh my god. It's very good. Yeah, so... Yeah. Please go watch Letter Kenny. Go watch Letter Kenny. It's your reward for quarantining. Yes, it's on Hulu. It is zero stakes, very high reward. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should do it. It's amazing. If Kirstie was able to watch eight seasons, you can watch In like them. two weeks. I know, I'm so I did it fast. I, I watched it a lot while I was sewing. I made a lot of face masks while watching the show. Um, I watched it while cleaning the kitchen after bedtime a fair amount. And every once in a great while, I had the opportunity to just, like, sit still and watch it, Mm -hmm. which is a gift. It is an incredible show to be able to just, like, sit and watch. Mm -hmm. I don't get that gift very often. So that was, like, (laughs) the couple nights where I got to watch, like, five episodes in a sitting where I had nothing else to do except, like, just absorb it. That was great. So good. So cathartic. We might be rewatching it now. I'm so ready for a rewatch. I have to, yeah. like, earn my rewatches because I don't watch very much content, but I feel like I, like, deserve this rewatch. You're not living in a content drought hell no. like we are. <laughs> we don't always live the same life. No. No. But, yeah. Any yeah. any other thoughts? That's it. All right. Well, um, if you appreciate us... You should leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell us about that. Or you can tweet to us at HateWatchWithUs or visit our website, HateWatchWithUs.com, and click the feedback 
button or whatever it is, contact us. One of those. <laughs> um, it'll send us a message to our email that we learned about recently. Yes. Uh, you can also just email us at heywatchwithus at gmail.com. Yes. And we are also members of the Thoughtable Audio Network. They have other podcasts, which you should go listen to. They talk about TV and books and movies and all kinds of fun stuff. And you can find them over at the Thought Bubble. I do this every fucking time. You can find <laughs> them over at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter, thoughtbubbleaudio.com, thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com. And they also have a Patreon, which, given current events, if you are considering donating to them on Patreon, I would suggest that you go to the links in our episode description and make some donations there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Don't be a D-Gen. Don't be a D-Gen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.